Church, believe me when I tell you, this is what the church can offer the world that the world simply does not have. His love. It's better than money. Better than fame. Better than anything this world can offer us. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. One of the greatest poems ever written is the inspired book of the Song of Solomon. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, as we journey together through the amazing Song of Songs penned by Solomon. The Song of Solomon is a love song. It's best interpreted as a picture of Jesus and his church and the endless attempts of the tempter and the world to lure the church away from her attachment to the shepherd, Jesus Christ. Today we're going to see how love has boundaries, and those boundaries will be honored if true love is involved. So let's go right to the message, an hour of tenderness, an hour of truth. I'm only a blossom of the plain. You know, you drive down the highway and you see these beautiful uh, blue flowers growing along the side. She's kind of saying that, you know, I might be pretty, but I'm just a flower on the side of the road. Why are you fooling with me? I don't understand how you love me the way you do. And the application is so much of the time we feel that way. When we fail, why do you love me like you do? When we mess up, how can you possibly still love me? When we go astray, make mistakes, fall to sin, whatever, we're hesitant. We're like a little dog that has been whipped and he approaches you very, very cautiously with the tail tucked and the head down. We come to Jesus not understanding how he could possibly love us after that. I'm only a blossom of the plain. You could get anything you wanted. Why are you fooling with me? She wondered how he, her wonderful shepherd, could see anything in her at all. Now, we stopped here last week, and now let's look at his response to her. When she says, I'm just, I'm just a, a highway flower. Why are you messing with me? The shepherd responds to her struggle with encouraging, loving words. And what he says to her, no, he's saying it to you. He says in verse 2, like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. A lily among the thorns. Now, if you don't understand what those flowers mean, that goes right past you. So here's what the Palestinian lily was. The Palestinian lily was a flower that normally grew in the midst of wheat. It was a humble plant, but one that was adorned with regal color. Humble, but beautiful. The shepherd saw his beloved as a lily among thorns. Do you know that you may feel humble? You may feel like, hey, you know, why'd he fool with me? But he looks at you and he sees beautiful color. The women of Solomon's court on the other hand, for all their worldly polish, 
sophisticated airs, expensive clothes, overpowering perfumes, costly jewels, were thorns. A lily, you are, Shulamite, among the thorns. They were brambles, these court women. They were brambles and they were thorns. They were marked by the curse. And Jesus sees his church as the shepherds saw the Shulamite, a lily among the thorns. Amen. I want you to say with me, I am my beloved's and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. Isn't that good? You're his lily among the thorns. Now, Paul knew all about this and he wrote, consider your calling, brethren. There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, not many what we would call who's who's. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world, the humble, to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. God reaches down and grabs the no counts and touches them, changes them, raises them up, that when they deliver his word and mirror his life, the glory goes to him and not to them. He doesn't choose many mighty. Where were you when God found you? I guarantee you, you are not where you are tonight. Now, while we are a humble lot, we are to him as a beautiful lily amongst a world that bears the mark of the curse. He looks at his church and he sees a lily. He looks at the world and he sees thorns. He loves the thorns, but right now the world primarily is rejecting him, spurning him, turning him out, pushing him away. And so where does he find his delight? amongst his people, the lilies of the valley. Now next, the Shulamite responds to the shepherd's heartwarming words. He says this to her and she's moved. And she describes the shepherd in two ways. She says, first, you're like the bounty of a forest. Now look at verse three. Like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. So folks, this is beautiful stuff. This is beautiful stuff. This is just flat out romantic stuff. What would it do to your spouse if you went home tonight and said, my dear, you are like an apple tree. (laughs) In the woods, my beloved. I mean, you could freak your spouse out after this series. Now look what she says. She said, I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Now, he compares her to a lily, and then she compares him to an apple tree. We have some high-level praise going on here. You're like a lily to me. Well, you're like an apple tree to me. She compares him to an apple tree. First thing she points out about this tree is its protection. I sat down in his shade with great delight. Now, Kathy, anytime we go anywhere and we're going to park, doesn't matter where it is, Walmart, which we call walmart We go to Target, we call it Target. Wherever we go, she looks for a tree to park under. You know why? In the middle of the summer, because summer heat in Texas will melt your leather. So she looks for a tree. And when I ride my bike, I love it when I finally get under some trees where there's some shade. Because trees offer protection from the burning, beating sun. And she said to him, you're like protection to me. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, that's what Jesus is to us. 
the Shulamite found protection in the shepherd. I got to think of David. He wrote this. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Same verbiage. I want to be like the apple of your eye. I want to be your delight, Lord. And I take refuge in the shadow of your protection, your power, your word, your presence, your faithfulness, your loyalty, your love. They protect me in a world that is experiencing the red hot heat of an angry devil because he knows his time is short. But not only was he her protection, he was her provision. His fruit was sweet to my taste. You know what the Bible says? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can we say that together? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now you go out and you quote that to somebody that doesn't know Jesus. They're going to look at you like a deer stares at headlights. But let me tell you something. When you come to him and you taste of that power of the Holy Spirit, when you come to him and you begin to feed on that word. I mean, I get into the word of God in the mornings and it's, it is like I'm at an apple tree and I'm just plucking the fruit and I'm eating the word of God. The Bible says his word, Jeremiah said his word was like honey to my taste. And I want you to know we're to feed on the Lord. Look what David said. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So not only is the Lord our protection, he's our provision. We feed on his love, his word, his presence, his faithfulness. Look at Psalms 37 verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Now read the last part with me. And feed on his faithfulness. Let me ask you tonight, are you feeding on the Lord? Do you draw from him every day? Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, he will bring forth much fruit. And I have called you and chosen you that you would go and bear fruit and your fruit would remain. You know, when we abide in the vine, we are pulling on the life of the vine, the fruit of the vine, the sustenance of the vine, the water of the vine, the presence of the vine, the goodness of the vine, the strength of the vine. We're drawing from that vine. How often? Every week, every month? No, every single day. He is our protection. Can we read this together? He is our protection. And he is our provision. Give the Lord a hand of praise. He's good. Now next, the Shulamite is searching for superlatives, adjectives to describe the shepherd. Look what she says in verse 4, chapter 2. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Now, just maybe, now this is conjecture, but it's okay. It's sound conjecture. Perhaps at this moment, the Shulamite is aware that Solomon was off feasting at his table, which kings did all the time. No doubt about it. It was a feast fit for a king. The shepherd from the distant hills who she loved could not have provided such a banquet. But what he could set before her was seasoned and prepared with that which Solomon could never have matched and did not even know. It was the seasoning of love, which turned the slightest morsel into a feast. Now she said, I think, well, maybe Solomon's in there having a great big feast, but my shepherd has something that he does not have. And church, it is the one thing 
our world does not have. Do you know what we've got to offer to the world that Solomon could not offer the Shulamite and the world cannot offer to you and me or anybody else in the world? It is the love of God, the pure, unadulterated, wonderful, powerful, life-changing word and love of the living God. She said, I can't have a feast like Solomon's, but my beloved, his banner over me is his love. And I contend that one taste of that love and nothing else will ever do. Church, believe me when I tell you, this is what the church can offer the world that the world simply does not have. The love of God poured out on the heart by the Holy Ghost that is given unto us. I'll never forget when that happened to me. And I could not believe the whole world was not Christian. It shocked me when I experienced the love of God being poured out in my heart by the Holy Ghost, wave after wave of liquid love. And I remember going, how in the world is the whole world not saved? How has this secret not gotten out? His love. It's better than money, better than fame, better than power, better than anything this world can offer us. Guess what? One day, we as his bride are going to sit down to a feast unprecedented in the history of mankind. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. It says the Lord Jesus himself is going to gird himself and serve us. And you talk about a feast. You talk about something that's going to put a Thanksgiving dinner in the shade. This is going to be red hot meals served straight out of the oven of heaven's kitchen. And we're going to have a marriage supper. Until then, his banner over me is his love. And I'd rather live in a cardboard box wrapped up on some street corner with his love than in a mansion sleeping in satin sheets without his love. Amen? Now, the Shulamite next tells how the shepherd's love absolutely overwhelms her. Verse 5, sustain me with cakes of raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I am lovesick. One translator puts it, I swoon with love. This drips with high-octane romanticism. Now, I swoon with love. She's saying, just the memory of you, because he's not there. He's left again. So there she is in Solomon's pavilion, a prisoner, essentially. And she starts thinking and remembering back to what she's known with him. And she says, I'm so overtaken by your love for me, shepherd, that I'm swooning. And you talk about being slain in the spirit. She's talking about swooning under the love of the shepherd. Now, the great evangelist D.L. Moody, I remember this story, describes an experience when he was torn about whether he should go into full-time ministry. D.L. Moody lived in the 1800s. He was a Chicago shoe salesman. But he gave his heart to Christ, and as God began to deal with him, God began to move his heart to launch into full-time ministry and go into full-time evangelistic work. Mass crusades. Nobody had done mass crusades except uh, about a century earlier when the Whitfields and the Wesleys and the Great Awakening would go out in the fields and preach to thousands of people in the fields. And so you had that. 
as mass evangelism, but Moody organized it. And he would have what we know today as crusades. Billy Graham ended up calling them crusades. But he was a young man, and he was struggling with this call. He was hesitant. He was reticent. He didn't know whether he was going to do it or not. Then something happened. He remembers the exact location. It was so vivid in his memory. On the corner of Broadway and Fifth Avenue, one of the busiest thoroughfares in New York City, he's walking alone, and while walking along at that intersection, he yielded to God's call within himself. He gave in. And when he did that, an overwhelming sense of the presence of God came flooding over his soul. It was so powerful, it was so strong, it was so overwhelming that he hurried to the home of a friend, said to the friend, give me a room and leave me alone. I've got to get alone with God. Friend showed him to a room, he shut the door, he locked it behind him, and the room, and this is his own words, the room seemed ablaze with the glory of God. He later told a friend, I can only say, this is quoting Moody, I can only say that God revealed himself to me And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand lest I die. Don't tell me God's not real. He had to say, stop, Lord, or I'm going to die. Your love is so overwhelming. Moody could have almost quoted the Song of Solomon here, sustain me, for I am lovesick. Ever felt that way about the love of God? Something very similar to that happened to me when I got called. Very similar. I wondered if I had died. The power of the Holy Spirit has got to be remembered in the church. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, He reveals His love. And He can touch you in such a way that you say, Lord, I love you so much. I'm lovesick. I'm swooning. I would love to see a church full of people walking out when the services are over, going into restaurants, swooning. The waiters say, what's the matter with you? I'm swooning with the love of God. What would they do with that? I'm swooning. Now in verse 6. She says, his left hand is under my head. His right hand embraces me. Her shepherd was holding her to himself. She was wholly his and he was altogether hers. Now, never forget, the Holy Spirit inspired these words. Why? Because this should be a picture of Christ and his church. His church should be swooning with his love. What did the revelator say when he was talking to the Laodicean church? He said, here's your problem. You've left your first love. You've left your first love. You used to swoon with his love. What's happened? Well, you know what? All we have to do is start asking for it again. Lord, do it again. Help me to fall flat head over heels in love with you again where I am swooning, lovesick. I'm so in love with you. Woo! I just got Holy Ghost bumps just then. That's the way it ought to be. Do y'all realize that? We didn't get baptized in pickle juice. We didn't get religion. We got a relationship that leads to life. (laughs) 
Now next, we find the Shulamite setting boundaries for her love. One sage wisely said this, quote, Love does not trespass where law forbids. Boy, does that quote need to be given to our generation. Love does not trespass where law forbids. It is lust, not love, if it insists on its own way to the exclusion of God's laws. Now, this section of the Song of Solomon is closing out with this because the Holy Spirit wants us to understand you can be swooning in love with someone. That doesn't mean there shouldn't be boundaries. So this section of the Song of Solomon concludes with a crucial lesson. Look at the power of the love of these two, the shepherd and the Shulamite. (laughs) You're like a lily. Oh, well, you're like an apple tree. And I'm swooning with love and good grief. You couldn't get any more in love than these two. But thinking of the power of that love, the Holy Spirit now inserts into the story the principle that will stop love from being destroyed. Now listen carefully to me, church. Love is very powerful, but it's also a very delicate flower. And let me tell you what can ruin it. Immorality. Our world says, you want to get to know somebody, hit the hay. You want to get to know somebody, go to bed with them. You don't get to know them that way. God says, you want to get to know somebody, get to know their soul. Get to know their heart. Talk a lot. Don't be alone too much. You'll get in trouble. Set boundaries. I know this isn't a jump up and shout message, but boy, is it true. See, love knows how to wait. And love knows how to keep itself pure. That's what the Shulamite is showing us here. First, we have set before us the masculinity of the worldly women of the court. Now, I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. This blew me away. But it's true. The Shulamite says... I charge you, O you daughters of Jerusalem. Who's she talking to? The court women. She's talking to these court women who are sold out on Solomon, sold out on his way of life, sold out on his worldview. They are totally committed to Solomon, not to the shepherd. So she turns to them at the end of this section and she says, I charge you, O you daughters of Jerusalem, you court women. Now, look at the word charge. Look at the pronoun you. And look at daughters, the noun. Scholars tell us that the word you, I charge you, and the accompanying verbs are masculine. Well, the lessons in today's message are timeless. True love will honor the object of its affection. And true love always possesses boundaries. Isn't it powerful the way this powerful Song of Songs illustrates the difference between love and lust? Well, don't touch that dial yet because our announcer has some important information to share with you, our Life Talk listeners. And be sure to join me next time as we continue our journey through the powerful little book called The Song of Songs. Until then, may God bless you richly is my prayer.
Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, the host of Life Talk Radio, and I've got some exciting news for you. It's been in my heart for quite some time to see our Turning Point worship team produce their own Christ-exalting music. And you know what? It's finally happened. TPC Worship's debut album, Mercy Triumphs, is available right now on iTunes and Amazon, or you can visit tpcfamily.org forward slash worship to get your copy today. That's tpcfamily.org forward slash worship and get your copy, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. hour of temptation and an hour of tenderness continued is the third message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10 CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Oh, oh, oh.